In this episode, my friend Barry Dock and I discuss private equity and what they're currently doing in the life insurance industry. We discuss Wall Street and how they de-risk and what they're doing with their pensions. And then we also talk about his updated book that should be available in October of 2022. Now we had fun and hope you enjoy listening. Thank you. Welcome to the Banking with Life podcast. I'm your host, James Nethery. And I'm as excited as always to have our good friend Barry Dock on with us. He's uh, always very gracious and uh, willing to share his time and his uh, knowledge. And, you know, he's a friend. There's no question about that. He's a colleague within the industry. He's the uh, researcher among researchers. He's a speaker. He's an author. He has his uh, podcast. Um, and a lot of his information is in the notes below. And we're always excited to have him. Hello, Barry. How are you, sir? It's always good to see, to see my friend James Nethery. Always good to see you. God bless you. I love it, man. Keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance, my friend. Yes, sir. You do the same. I will do my part, right? Thank you. Um, now, look, you sent an article a couple of weeks ago and I, I you know I gotta admit I haven't read the whole thing as a matter of fact I haven't even read it I perused it um, and I perused it enough to you know know that it's always it, it meets your standards you know it's always good information that you that you share and the uh, title is beware of private equity gobbling up life insurance and annuity companies and that was by Let's see. Eileen Applebaum, right? Yep, Eileen Applebaum. So thanks oh, for sharing she, that. She's a great lady. She's a pistol. She's um, Eileen Applebaum. I get to know her. Oh, she was, I don't know, five, six years ago when I started researching private equity and how big it is in the um, in the financial space. And people don't really understand private equity. James, you and I have discussed it before, but private equity now is has gone from a sliver of Wall Street business um, and really from the 1980s to now a major main component of the whole Wall Street cesspool, if you will. Okay. And right. um, so, uh, so and, and, and generally the, 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 the power centers of private equity, which, which is actually was known as leverage buyouts of corporate raiders uh, from the 1980s. Uh, these are the companies who bought, uh, the companies with them, boatloads of debt, junk debt, um, uh, uh, issued by, by the likes of Michael Milken from Drexel Bertel Lambert, and which, which and went into bankruptcy. And then, um, uh, and, but anyhow, this fueled the whole um, speculative bubble in the 1980s, and when you, and then, which and eventually <coughs> led to the collapse of Executive Life, right? Which is the essentially was the largest collapse of a life company of all time. A plus, um, A plus rated life insurance company out of California. Yeah, well, and lots of Wall Street um, uh, smoke and mirrors, uh, uh, financial sorcery behind it as well. So the whole uh, executive life is when you look at executive life, what happened? Actually, they they went into receivership in 1991, um, and uh, it was the it was the one, the largest collapse of a life company of all time. Uh, now, unlike other people who have their money mutual funds and something like that, policyholders did not really get wiped out of the principal, but it, it, was, it was a disastrous tale of what can happen when Wall Street gets involved with conservative investing. And um, so, you know, uh, executive life collapsed in 91, um, and it was sold to a, a, a French bank, Credit Lyonnais, 
Uh, and it was engineered by a guy named Leon Black, who's now the what? CEO, former CEO of Paul Global Management. And um, this is a, this is a transaction is totally illegal to do it at the time. It, it was prior to the, the, the repeal of Glass-Steagall Act. It was also against the law in the, in the state laws of California, but a, a foreign entity could not own a, a domestic insurer. So it was totally illegal. Nothing ever happened. The the executive life went to receivership in, in 91. Um, nothing really came into light until a whistleblower, uh, and still a named whistleblower to this day, uh, came forth in 1999 ex- explaining the shenanigans about uh, credit Leonay behind this thing. There wasn't a, a, a investigation by Congress in 2002. So James, this, the investigation is 11 years after the fact, okay? And then in 2003, um, uh, Credit Lyonnais was uh, fined $770 million um, for essentially uh, um, participating in a totally illegal transaction. They made about $3.5 billion. Um, Leon Blacks and, and uh, uh, Paul Global Management made about a billion dollars. This gave the seed capital to um, uh, create um, Apollo Global Management. And, um, you know, and so, uh, and so the credit lineage got, got fined, but nothing ever happened to anybody. And the same old uh, doo-doo is happening, you know, this is 20, 30 years later. And when you look at what we're comprised of um, uh, executive life, it was primarily junk bonds. And uh, so now, which, which was, and now we're seeing the same thing with private equity. And um, so, would you, so it's gone from a very small piece of uh, finance, James, to a huge component of it. And it's always debt-based, and it's always involved lots of leverage, and it's very, very shaky. And uh, but, um, but the problem with with uh, this is that a lot of companies have failed under private equity ownership, and um, and so much that I've, I've tracked this back to about nineteen since two, the year two thousand. Uh, you know how many company, major companies have gone bankrupt under private equity ownership, James? No, I don't, but you do. So lay it on. Well, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but roughly about 300 major corporations that I've found uh, that have gone bankrupt uh, under private equity ownership. So it's very, very, uh, and, and, and they have all the look, everything's lawyered up. So when they go bankrupt, they don't never get hurt. And so people say, well, I know who's leveraged by it, who's private equity? I said, we ever hear of little companies called Chrysler Motors? Yeah. Well, that was owned by private equity. They went bankrupt. You ever hear of a little company called Toys R Us? Yeah, yeah they went bankrupt. You ever hear iHeartRadio? Yeah. The, the old Clear Channel, which was, which was in Texas, they went bankrupt in a private equity ownership. Or the largest, one of the largest utilities in te- Texas, the old TXU, which was now Energy Future Holdings, yeah. one of the largest leverage buyouts of all time, went bankrupt. The shoe stores, and look, Michael Milken, that's where he was selling the junk bond king back in the day, right? He he did some uh, some uh, time in behind bars and it, it, you know, not, he, not much the, time, though. no, but but the junk bond king. That's where he was selling all the bonds, executive life, and then and then when he gets out of prison, I believe some arm of the government hired him to help them figure out how to find crooks and criminals in the financial industry. Yeah, and actually, I think he's kind of been banned from the securities business for life, but he's been uh, a special consultant to Guggenheim Partners, which is a private equity firm out of New York. And um, yeah. so, and you know, he's worth billions. And he has the <laughs> big Michael Milken conference, and he's on CNBC, and I don't know Fox or what other the other, Bloomberg, whatever. And so they, unfortunately, the press state really idolizes these private equity financiers when, in re- reality, they're they're you know they're kind of like they're wolves in sheep's clothing. 
lots of times, you know. And so private, and it, private, yeah. private profits and public losses. Public takes yeah. a risk, and they make the profits privately. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so the whole thing when, when you look at it, you know, so the whole thing is you and I are business people, and if we default on a loan or, or go back, we get in a lot of trouble. But the way it's with private equity is that. They have so many holding companies. If they go bankrupt, they still get paid. And people and people say, "What's so bad about?" It? Well, last time they'll, they'll dump pension obligations, and now they want to get into the retirement space. They want to get into it in a big, big, big way. Um, and but to me, I, I think it's unconscionable when you look at companies that have been owned by private equity, which have ended up in, in bankruptcy, and then the taxpayer ends up holding onto the bag of the, the failed pensions. And people don't believe me. Well. Uh, look at a company, company like Hawker Beechcraft, which was the one of the second largest commercial uh, business jet companies. You know, they went bankrupt. Um, we ended up picking up the pension costs. Um, you know, A&P grocery stores, uh, Aloha Airlines, um, Anchor Glass, um, <coughs> uh, <coughs> uh, GMAC, which which is now Allied Financial. Um, and we actually that was so clever. They dumped the pension benefits on onto the PBG before they acquired them. And then uh, GMAC ended up going bankrupt. We had to put $17.8 billion into them as a taxpayer. And they threw a bunch of companies overboard into bankruptcy. More financial sorcery. They renamed it Allied Financial. Brought it public. And, people said, and, and, I, and when I saw this, I said, where did Allied Financial come from? And it was the old GMAC. So, th- so th- it's a much, much bigger uh, portion of the uh, the U.S. economy and also worldwide. Um, but what, um, but what, what um, causes me uh, alarm is that getting back to the executive life case, it's estimated Leon Black made I don't know somewhere between a half a billion to a billion dollars in profits. It's estimated that um, the um, uh, Credit Lean A made around three and a half billion in profits, but here's the bad thing, and I've got the uh, and I've got the number to back me up. The uh, between the Executive Life of New York, which is the New York Dome Solid Life Company, and Executive Life of California, my calculation is pretty good, and I got I got congressional testimony to back me up on this, and the old the NOLGA figures that roughly um, the, the state guarantee reserve funds had a dump about. Three point eight billion in, in, to make policyholders whole. So, Executive Life is a small company back then. So, my my, my question is not now. Um, according to Moore Market Intelligence, out of um, uh, Cheryl Moore, uh, great lady out of Des Moines, Iowa, she's researching the annuity business. Roughly forty percent of the annuity business is backed by uh, uh, life insurance controlled by private equity. Which, which is um, the alarm bell should have gone off, but you know, when the last thing, uh, life carrier, uh, executive life collapsed, it took you know 11, 12 years for an investigation. So the government does, you know, doesn't really work that fast. Why do Why do you so, think the alarm bells are not going off? People don't care. People are not aware. You know, people are getting paid. You know, what What do you? Why do you think that the alarm bells are not going off? Because we have the best best democracy money can buy. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. There you go. You know, Don't let the no, facts so, get in the way, right? <laughs> yeah, so we just got, okay, so I stole that from a guy. Uh, I know. Actually, uh, um, uh, Greg Palace, who's, I think he was a his reporter, investigative reporter. He did a book called The Best Money, The Best uh, Democracy Money Can Buy. So why does that frighten me? So most people don't know that all these major companies have gone bankrupt in private equity ownership. Um, but now um, what has happened is in, in June of 2020, uh, the Department of Labor um, allowed uh, private equity as, as a part of a target date fund into 401k retirement plans, James. So we have these very, and these target date funds are very, very, compl uh, very complicated. And you have that books. and people can go to barryjamesdyke.com. I wrote that book in 2012, um, uh, Pirates of uh, Manhattan too, Highway to Surfing, but I wrote it all about it. But the, the thing is that target date funds were bad then, because in, in 2008, James, they, they lost 30%. So but the Department of Labor gave them the green light in, in June of 2020, and then the uh, SEC essentially given them another blessing the past fall. And then there was a landmark case, um, which, it, which just was ruled on. I was just reading about the other day about Intel, you know, the chip maker. Um, they tried to bring a, a class action suit about allowing alternative investments to 401ks. So now it looks like a green light for, for, for massive speculation. And that's just private, private equity in, in leverage bios, hedge funds, uh, distressed debt, all kinds of crap at Wall Street. Very, very, very high fee um, stuff, and uh, it's and so you're just trying to get people's uh, insulate people from that as much as we possibly can, which I know you and I are trying to do. Yeah. Well, the uh, the pensions across the country, you know, have used uh, too high of an expected rate of return, so they have to do something. You know, they've got to do something in the low interest rate environments that we've been in in a while, right? Don't we need all of these uh, speculative opportunities within our pensions? I mean, think about that. Well, it's, it's a disaster <laughs> when you look at it. It's another book, and I'm, um, I'm updating one of my books, James, now, and I, it, it's, it's a disaster. When you look at um, a company, uh, a state like Pennsylvania, I think roughly about 50% of their assets are in alternative investments, which are private equity, distressed debt, all this kind of crap. And they're searching for yield. Yeah. And, and this stuff is, it's hotel, I call it Hotel California money. You can get <laughs> in, but you can never leave, okay? Right. And, and the thing is, is that, so it's a disaster. So, um, and then you look at the your state. Now, te Texas is a pretty good state where you're at. Yeah. Um, but if you look at a state like, um, uh, Illinois or uh, California, Kentucky, they're, they're just a mess. Yeah. And so, um, so you, you know, everyone wants to go indexing the whole thing. This and this, and there's problems with that. But so the, the problem is that private equity is becoming a huge component of the whole uh, Wall Street. And most people don't understand it, most advisors don't understand it. Okay, but it's, it's pretty simple it's, it's gambling with other people's money. Using it with lots of debt, uh, uh, with lots of debt, and they've been able to do that because of all the tax deductions they get. They're getting a deduction for all interest costs. Um, they're getting the carried interest, so the, the profits they get are ca tax and capital gains rates. So it's a, it's really a bonanza for, for Wall Street and financiers. Um, but it, it's 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 caused a lot of just. Um, 
horrific damage to, uh, um, to, to the American economy. And um, I think, you know, it's, it's, it, what we do is not just about the money. It's people need to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, I, I, uh, I agree. And let me say here that, you know, I'm still encouraging you. And just for the listener, I've encouraged Barry to write a standalone book, not update a previous book. No pressure, but that's still my encouragement, Barry. <laughs> it's yeah, just, so I don't have an hour <laughs> of the day. You know, this. So right. writing the books is fun. You know, it opens up a lot of doors, but the advisement, you know, is, is stuff that pays the bills. But, but people, you know, the big challenge, James, today um, is for people. So we have all these these 401ks, these 403bs. They're all the same, IRAs, whatever. It's all about gambling other people's money. You know, a new toaster has more guarantees than a 401k, you know? <laughs> this is really right. you know? It really does. You know, and so the thing is, in retirement, when people, uh, you know, I would say between 55 and 78, they really need to have, you know, structural guarantees and income streams for their retirement. This is what they really need. And oh, by the way, the SECURE Act is talking about this, okay? And, but the thing is, is that, but people still need advisors like you be, or me because the institutions, um, you know, they really don't care as long as they can hold on the assets. Yeah. People still need independent advice. They still need love, love and caring more than ever. Um, but, the, uh, but, but the whole thing is uh, annuities um, in life insurance are what is called TINA. There is no alternative. And that's why and I told you about, you know, the guaranteed income book, which I'm updating. Um, I will show people conclusively that major corporations throughout the world are using annuities and life insurance products to fund their retirement plans. Um, and, uh, you know, I've never gotten a lick of good, uh, I've never gotten a lick of good press in, in, in the international uh, press at all, James. But... You know, I started looking at this and I looked at the media companies who are buying annuities, like the New York Times bought one. They bought, the New York Times bought $460 million worth of annuities to fund their pension plan. Um, CBS News uh, bought one for $800 million. Um, 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 McClatchy newspapers. <laughs> I mean, so all these, so the whole thing is, is that, so, so what these, these media companies are telling people to do in their, advertising through their in, in their editorial narrative is that yeah. life insurance annuities are bad when in fact they're they're, they're, they're top of the pile of hypocrites yeah and, uh, <laughs> that's exactly what they're buying what they're putting their money into exactly looking and for and the so, guarantees um, yep yeah and so so it all, it all makes all sense and, and you know um and if you so i, I studied this and um and luckily because researching the uh, the latest book i got to meet a guy by the name of jeremy gold um, Jeremy Gold was a uh, he was a he was a uh, a famous actuary. Uh, he was you know he went to MIT when he was like sixteen. Very very bright guy. Wow. Um, and he he dropped out of MIT and hitched across country playing pool and stuff like that. And then finally got his degree like at Pace University and became an actuary and he, and he worked for Buck Consultants. He was the first actuary really to work on Wall Street at Morgan Stanley. And he was telling me about doing the leverage buyouts in the 1980s and how he used the excess pension assets to help do a leverage buyout of the company. And he kind of had his own, he was, although he was very Jewish, he had kind of a come to Jesus moment. He said, this is what I'm doing is really bad. Hmm. So the, at the tender age of 53, he went and got his um, PhD in economics from Wharton. And people don't believe me, just Google it, Jeremy Gold. 
And, um, and so he started trying to bring ethics back into the pension profession um, because he thought it was wrong using you know, pension reserves to do leverage buyouts of companies. And so, you know, we talked a lot about, um, um, you know, how to run you know, good retirement funds. He agreed that, you know, good retirement funds should be run like a life insurance company. Um, he, he saw the, the writing on the wall. He was blackballed from his industry, essentially for telling the truth. And I tried to get him onto my radio show a couple of times when I had the radio show. And then unfortunately he died of leukemia. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, but he, he was a good, good guy. But he, he told me, you know, he, he, he told me, we talked about the pension dumping and the whole thing. So when you look back at back in the 80s, it was, we called the leverage bias uh, the, the corporate raiders. Today it's called private equity. You know, it's, it's all about the name game. It's all about semantics, you know? And so it's, uh, and, and instead of junk bonds, they call them high yield. Right. Okay. So, so the whole thing is this. So people now more than ever, they really want to, you know, and when you um, look at the numbers behind this stuff, James, you know, people are really going to be better, best off with it, with a good mutual company or a fraternal organization of some sort. Because, because, because the, the, we don't know what they're doing with the mutual companies. And um, there's another guy you should probably have on your show at some point, but, uh, uh, who's done forensic accounting, but, with some of these private equity firms, what they do, they're offloading all the risks into, uh, you know, uh, reinsurance companies based in Vermont or Arizona or Bermuda. Bermuda. Yeah. Yeah. So, and if it goes into Bermuda, like Athena's headquartered in Bermuda or uh, Global Atlantic is headquartered in Bermuda. So we saw re. Yep. Yeah. So NASA re, you know, that I think that's Guggenheim coming. They're all, so we have no idea really what's behind these guys. You know, so when you look at it, the life insurance companies really are the best of the stewards of money. But then again, so if you're going to use life insurance, who do you use? And, and, and when you do the research, it's mutuals or fraternals because there's no inherent conflict of interest. But, you know, I, I don't spend hundreds of millions of dollars in, uh, in advertising, even our own industry magazines, as you see now. I mean, Athena, every time I open up like an advisor news or something like that, Athene and all that stuff. And it's like people really knew. Yeah. But they don't. Yeah. I don't I don't read those magazines, so um, but I know of what you speak. I see them and throw them away. You know, that that uh let me let me run this by because this is what I think, and it's just uh conjecture, right? Um, or maybe I've been a student of history. So if we look at the uh the uh, 7702 change, you know, the Consolidated Appropriations yep. Act of 1921 or 2021, that changed the uh, interest rates that a life insurance company has must use to yep. uh, to determine the MEC and their their basis of values, right? Um, and I want to say this: that a mutual life insurance company, they are operating with. Uh, a lower rate of return compared to a stock life insurance company when it comes to life insurance, okay? Yep. All right. Now, and we're in a low interest rate environment, so the companies have a, a uh, and I'm not uh, shilling for the life insurance companies. I'm just saying it's uh, sometimes a struggle to yep. be profitable in a low interest rate environment for an extended period of time anyway, an extended low interest rate environment. 
Um, and if you can't be profitable there, and so a mutual company is already operating on a on a smaller margin yeah. compared to a stock company, um, they've got to make that difference up somewhere. So with this change that was slipped in like two days before Christmas, I believe, into this bill uh, that became law that now forces the life insurance companies to use a a lesser rate of return right, yeah. to calculate the uh, the uh, to construct a life insurance policy. Now that is, and, and ultimately that produces less death benefit or causes the death benefit to be higher or more costly. A lower death benefit, so the death benefit costs high, costs more money. Yeah, right? more money yeah. Okay. Now um, I think it is more than coincidental that we're, and this is not new, but the 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 movement. Of private equity into the life insurance space is not happening in a vacuum. I think the uh, companies that are going to profit most from that change are the stock companies that are being gobbled up by the private equity companies. Now, just tell me I'm wrong, Barry, that we can. Uh, no, you're not wrong. And, and the thing is that there's. Um but what they're using these James, but they're using them as their own banks. And the yep. Federal Reserve's done a piece on uh, you know our life insurance companies, the, the new shadow banks. And yep. uh, so what they're doing, see, there's no one who's better, really better, you know, um, stewards of capital will, you know, uh, than a you know major life company, whether you know uh, a New York Life or you know Northwestern or you know Mass Mutual. These companies, they they have to they have to look out 20, 30 years. Um, the thing is, is that, uh, but they have to be conservative on this. And so, but with, when you have the stock ownership and you have two different, you have additional masters and, and for them to compete. And what, this is the whole thing when I saw this, see executive life got really big a couple, 30, 40 years ago, James, because executive life was showing two to 300 basis points and two or 3% more than everyone else to say, you can't be with a traditional life company, come to executive life because we know how to get yield. All right, yeah, that, and that's what we get. Well, guess what? It's the same thing that's happening now. So the private equity firms, on, primarily on things like index annuities, things like that, they're showing, you know, you know, hundred, uh, half to hundred basis points or to two hundred basis points more than a traditional uh, solid company. But the problem is, we don't know what the riskiest assets are in these things. And when they're when they're domiciled in Bermuda or Vermont or Arizona, we don't have a freaking clue. And the thing is, is that um, so the reason why I'm talking about this is because this is this is definitely a problem. Uh, the reserve races are definitely a problem. And, um, you know, the, and, and if you and, and Mark Twain said history doesn't repeat itself, but it sure rhymes. When you look at executive life and you look at it coming like a theme, it's, it's, it's a, haven't we been here before? And uh, and so um, so so but now so uh, you know I think the uh, uh, more market intelligence out of Des Moines, Iowa, and Cheryl Moore, she's a wonderful wonderful lady. Um, she said roughly about forty percent of the, all the annuity premiums going to private equity, and um, this is um, I think when you're talking about people's retirement money, we we really have to be conservative and really and, and treat people their their money like it's our own. But Wall Street. It's other, their whole thing is let's gamble with other people's money. Right. And they make the profits and yeah. turn the losses public. So, um, you know, it really is about 
uh, safety in your money? You know, where do you put your money? You know, who do you trust? Um, and, and, and guarantees, especially as we get older, we're moving into retirement, retirement income. You know, we, we want guarantees typically. And then we'd also like, you know, some asset protection. And that varies across the country. Right. But like in the great state that I live in, we have 100 percent asset protection with life insurance yeah. and annuities. Right? Canada, yes, great, great yeah. state. Florida. And I don't know all of them, but Arizona uh, and New York's pretty good. Yeah. So um, California's so, got to be the worst. No, I'm not being a crazy <laughs> man either. OK. And this stuff. So what am I worried about? Private equity? Well, um, well, people, there was a uh, so there has been some blow ups. There was a guy in the. Uh, uh, Lindbergh, Lindbergh in North Carolina, whatever, now it's Charles Lindbergh, I forget what the guy, he was the head of private equity, uh, owned a uh, life company. He went, essentially, he's, I think he's in jail right now. Um, there's other instances of, uh, um, you know, of uh, private equities being involved in uh, Conseco. Remember the old Conseco, James? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Thomas H. Lee, partners out of Boston, the private equity firm, made a $500 million investment into Conseco and then it, and preferred shares. And then they end up going, that was, I think, it's one of the top 50 bankruptcies of all time. Um, so there you know, so there's other things. And then um, we're, we're seeing the reserves using for these leverage buyouts. So um, so, the, so these private equity firms like the pools of capital they have with them. And they're saying, well, gee whiz, gee whiz we can use these, these funds here to finance our deals. And also, you know, collect fees, high fees each way. Yeah. I and think the assets of Conseco wound up somewhere in the Bahamas, you know, after a few name changes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I can't and, uh, the irony of the whole thing, this is what I learned from uh, Cheryl Moore on a day one. She's a wonderful lady. And she's in the, that movie. Uh, I'm, I'm in. Uh, but um, the guy, Hilbert, who, who bankrupted Conseco, now has a new life company, James, in Utah. It's called Silac, and it's like in the top ten um, oh, carriers right now. So people now more than ever they they really need someone like you and me, really for for uh, for, um, for insight. And um, you know, it's, and so but but the, the wonderful thing is that uh, that friend of mine, Eileen Applebaum. Um, about the private equity article, and and she's a great lady, man. She's like eighty five James, and she's a pistol, mm. and um, she has no fear. And uh, um, she essentially says that we get some, something to worry about, and um, it's outside of industry. And she she knows private equity just as well as anybody. So um, so so what we're we're trying to do is getting um, getting people having good organic you know, financial products. Whereas everyone else wants us to eat junk food. And, you know, private equity is pretty much junk food. Yep. So you were, uh, you mentioned Cheryl Moore. She's been in the in, in the uh, industry a long time. And uh, she was interviewed in that movie, uh, the, the Baby Boomer Dilemma. Yeah, right? yeah. And you were in there as well. And a lot of yeah. other people, you know, I haven't watched it uh, uh, yet. But, uh, you know, what what did you talk about? Well, that was that was a uh, I was that was a blessing about a, about this time last year. I was coming back from Florida, and a filmmaker, domestic uh, uh, documentary filmmaker, Doug Orchard from Florida. He says, "You don't know me, but my my name is Doug Orchard, and I've, um, I've been asked hired by some investors to do a uh, film about retirement income because uh, it's a major problem." 
And here was a guy, this guy, Doug Orchard, he's a very sharp guy. He's like 52, but he looks like a 26-year-old surfer. Incredibly fit in shape. And uh, he said, I'm doing a movie. And uh, and the investors said they want to have me in it. And um, so I said, oh, that's a blessing. So so he, we got chatting. And so then um, uh, uh, I did a piece in the movie for a bit. And uh, my piece was essentially cut, cut out in the end because... The filmmakers were worried about getting sued by a major news organization because they're telling the truth. But in any event, um, but uh, there's some uh, some of the best retirement experts in the country. Uh, uh, let's see, Ted Bennett, the guy who created the 401k, is a friend of mine. Uh, Ted Sedell, who's a uh, the biggest forensic uh, attorney and uh, pension fraud things like that, he's in it. Um, uh, uh, Robert Merton and uh, William Sharp both have the Nobel Prize in economics. Uh, David Babel from, from Warden, uh, Olivia Mitchell from Warden. So all these people, these really um, highly respected people in retirement space said, yeah, you should use annuities for retirement. And um, and so uh, so the reason they had me is because I'm the guys did all the research and uh, showing where the companies do it. And like General Motors, how General Motors bought a $29 billion annuity, which they did. People don't believe me, Google it. They bought a $29 billion annuity in 2012, and Verizon bought one for like $8 billion. And, the, and, and so, um, so because so, the thing is, we, we, a retirement plan, James, is to create retired income. It's, it, it's, that's what it, that's the purpose is. It's not to gamble. It's not to be another riverboat gambler. Right. But th- that's the retirement plan is for retirement income. But some, that's something we've all forgotten. Well, we, you and I haven't forgotten. But this is, uh, but you, uh, but uh, so, so anyway, so the movie came out, and um, also most of the leading Canadian economist, um, uh, Tom Hegna, the guy who uh, yeah. he was the guy from New York Life, whatever he's in it um, about income. So you know, it was kind of nice that all the research we've been working on for all these years, all these experts saying, "Yeah, we should do this." But I'm just, I just feel like I get my fifty seconds of fame, you know. That, so they left. Like, uh, they left 50 seconds in there? They cut your part out seconds. all but 50 well, they seconds? They had, they had about five, ten minutes segment on some of my recent or interviews, but, you know, the investor said, well, we, you know, we don't get sued by a big media company. Right. I hear you. I hear you. So what are you doing? What are you doing about it? You know, what are you doing about all this? You're updating your book yeah i'm updating the book it's generally so so the so what was happened james since and it's really been a non-stop uh, financial order since 2008 since it's still nothing's really changed at all it's actually getting much worse and so what we're seeing now what is called uh, blind pool investing now blind pools are essentially raising money without any uh, just raising money for a particular investor uh without any company in mind and and, and so and now they're, they're called special uh, purpose acquisition companies or SPACs. So you get all these companies going back, you know, and so the dump and all the stuff on the public. So this, you're seeing just incredible speculation like we've never ever seen, which is ironically, this is the same things <clears throat> that was happening in the 1920s. They call them blind, blind pools. Now, I didn't realize that the last guy who was really using blind pools in a big way was Michael Milken mm-hmm. in the 1980s. Because he was doing this in blind pools. So he was, Milken was essentially duplicating what they were doing in the 1920s. Uh, Milken was doing the 1980s. He went, you know, then executive life went and directly went into bankruptcy and so forth. Uh, but now it's reappearing again. It's, and it's just repackaged. 
So I'm just trying to help people um, um, to understand what's going on with their money um, because when they give the, put, put their money in a brokerage firm and they read the arbitration agreement, essentially says, thanks for your money. If you make money, great. If you don't make money, it's still not a problem. You know, and so, so that's what we're seeing. So, um, and then the, the, the whole indexing bubble, which is, uh, so roughly 50% of all index uh, money is indexed now, passively invested with Vanguard, uh, State Street, uh, um, you know, ETFs and so on. Um, but the thing is, the, the problem with in, uh, index investing, there really is no, there's no, um, there's no guardrails. I mean, you know, yeah, you're getting down cost, but again, they're not producing retirement income. So, um, and the thing is, and, and, and so, uh, whether it be ETFs, and I'm not against them per se, but, but again, it's not producing retirement income. And, and the irony of the whole thing, you want to get this one, James? <clears throat> and I couldn't believe it's like God was working my life. S&P Global, okay, which is, you know, S&P 500, but we all know that in, in, in finance. You know what, and, you know what S&P Global did in, in 2018, James? No. What'd they do? They bought a freaking annuity to fund their own pension plan. <laughs> so the people who's kind of at the heart of the index couldn't make the, couldn't make this up. Bought an annuity, I think $380 million, whatever. I think they bought it from Pacific Life to fund their own pension plan. And, and again, this is um, Bank of America, uh, uh, Merrill Lynch in the UK bought one for $519 million. Um, uh, Commerce Bank, um, Allied Bank, um, a lot of the um, uh, the British Bank, which are actually the, uh, bought uh, these enormous annuities as well. So. Anyway, so I'm just trying to get people to the truth, and then they can decide. But um, the um, but the irony of the whole thing is, people like you know Bank of America or you know Wells Fargo, all these companies who uh, uh, they all put a lot of their money in high cash value life insurance and annuities, and you couldn't make this up. It, I'm, I'm just you know I'm digging them up one one at a time, James. You know, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. <clears throat> well, three hundred in the last twenty years. Is that what the bankruptcies that you have uh, it's uncovered? Since 2000, roughly the past 21 years, some major bankruptcies. Now, the whole thing, we're talking some, some pretty big freaking companies have gone bankrupt right. under private equity ownership. Uh, Toys R Us, um, uh, Energy Future Holding, which I think is the largest utility in Texas, maybe? Yeah, it was. Um, TXU. Yeah, yeah. TXU, yeah. Largest. They went bankrupt, yeah. Yeah, um, shoe the, companies. Uh, I mean, yeah, Payless shoes. They went bankrupt. Yeah. No more Payless shoes. No more. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, then they just do it again and again and again and again. Yeah, that's yeah. what. You, it, yeah, it's called like a Chapter Twenty Two. You know, sometimes they'll, they'll go bankrupt once and then they go back again. That's called a Chapter Twenty Two. There's actually some Chapter Thirty Three which have found as well. Some of them gone bankrupt two and three times. Mm. And and when you start looking at the shenanigans that. As a company, if they go into bankruptcy, James, so when a company goes into bankruptcy, generally the, the shareholders, the, the equity owners, they get wiped out generally, okay? So when a company goes into bankruptcy, it's the debt holders that essentially take over the assets because they, they have first lien against the assets of the company. So what the private equity guys have done, um, it's, 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 it's bizarre, but they do it all the time. They do, they'll buy the distressed debt on the company so the company they, they just um, they just put into bankruptcy. They buy the distressed debt. So when they go into they go into bankruptcy, they end up owning part of the company they just put into bankruptcy. 
At a great discount, right? (laughs) At a great discount, okay. And by the way, they're deducting all the interest costs and the whole thing anyhow. And and, oh, by the way, we also, um, a great great example is um, Hostess Cookies. Remember Twinkies and Hostess? I think think they're based down there. They're based down there, yeah. Ho-Hos and Ding-Dongs, they went bankrupt twice. Uh, They went bankrupt under... um, uh, she was the Ripplewood Ripplewood Holdings, I think, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, and then they um, and they went back before that, and then uh, Apollo Global Management um, bought them, and they went and it went from a company with eighteen thousand employees down to like twelve hundred, and um, they bought it back in the cheap, and they flipped it into a SPAC, and who knows where it is. So it come, so and then they and then a lot of the pension obligations get dumped on the the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, there's numerous um, instances where the private equity has dumped their obligation on the, on the PBGC, essentially polluting the pool. And, and now the irony of the whole thing, James, is to get this one. <clears throat> I couldn't believe it. The Lehman Brothers, they went bankrupt, the largest corporate bankruptcy of all time. Was it 2008 or something like that? 2008. Okay, so get this. So they dumped their pension plan onto the pen- Pension Benefit Guarantee Corporation. And they got this one, Jenny. Get this one. I don't know where these guys get these stick these things in. They had the healthcare tax credit. You ever heard of that? Yeah. Listen, to this one. If a company, this is if a company goes bankrupt and PPG is covering the pension plan, they get up to seventy five percent credit from the IRS directly to cover their healthcare premiums between the ages of fifty five and seventy or sixty five. So, so now they go to the bankruptcy, but they're getting the taxpayer to pay seventy five percent of the healthcare premiums of the retired workers. Um, so, um, so, and, and so, it's like I, I couldn't believe that. And, and but this is it's all true. But Lehman Brothers after dumping their pension benefit, um, after dumping their pension into the uh, PBGC, they got the healthcare tax credits. Now this is like twenty two thousand employees are on the on the employee in the uh, Lehman Brothers plan. And so the taxpayer essentially were subsidizing the Lehman Brothers bankruptcy. You know, and they're getting essentially almost almost free health care from the curse of the U.S. taxpayer. You couldn't make this stuff up. Yeah. And, um, but the irony of the whole thing, James, you know what? Lehman Brothers, when Lehman Brothers went bankrupt, they threw like 80 of their subsidiaries into bankruptcy as well. But you know what Lehman Brothers did in the U.K. to finance his own pension? You know what they did, James? Bought an annuity. <laughs> <laughs> right, but y'all, you hear in the in the uh, in the uh, all American average family, all they hear is life insurance is bad, 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 poor place to put money, and annuities are atrocious. You know, you you lock your money up. There are high commissions and anything else that they can use to disparage an, an, an annuity or a uh, an advisor or an agent who presents or promotes annuities, but that's where they're putting their money. Yeah. Okay, and that, that makes example, perfect sense. This is going to the book, and I'm sharing this with people. Morgan Stanley, okay, which is, you know, get bailed out by the tax. They were allowed to become a bank holding company in 2008. They would have gone under Goldman and a bunch of other ones. How much do you think, James, uh, now Morgan Stanley, these companies, they make most of the money gambling, mergers and acquisitions, wealth management, 67% of the business really from gambling, moving money around, stocks, equities. So, where do you think Morgan Stanley has their own pension plan? Where do you think they have their assets, James? Do you think how much? Do, 
How much in stock do you think Morgan Stanley has of their own pension plan in the market? I have no idea. Just take a guess. It would just I'd just be pulling numbers out of the air. I have no idea. I'll start with zero. <laughs> All right. You win, okay? Yeah. And buried in, in the 10K, which I was like, it was a god shot, okay? It's like, holy mother of God, I couldn't believe it. And also, Morgan Stanley also bought, they bought an annuity to fund their, one of their domestic, uh, one of their foreign pension plans, which it had to be the UK, like 61 million. So, so my point is, is that the people who make money, I mean, Morgan Stanley just got indicted the other day for block trading, all those. But my point is, is that what they recommend for the public, what they do for themselves are two different things. Yeah. And that's what I'm just putting together in the book. Well, when's that going to be out? When's that going to be available? You know? Good Lord willing, I don't know. It's it's uh, it's uh, all right. I, I just got to. Luckily, I have some good help here. But it's just the. Um, um, but the plan is to have it released by October, James, because of the. Uh, that's the anniversary of the uh, <laughs> executive life investigation. Oh, okay. So wasn't it? It's a twenty year investigation. So I was kind of trying to tie into that. Um, but that's um, and because people now more than ever they want to have you know particularly in retirement. Um, and actually, there's a whole, been a whole bunch of um, surveys been done by Kraft and Cerulea um, um, Associates in Boston and, and Allianz and um, Transamerica and and a whole bunch of companies uh, um, that what people really want in retirement, James, they won't have peace of mind and guarantees. Yeah. This is what they want. This is what they really want. And um, but this is now the whole thing is that um, you know and uh, so this means using um, annuities. And matter of fact, now Fidelity has a new advertising campaign right now. I saw it about a month ago on TV. I couldn't believe they saw about the Fidelity income plan. And I went to the website and what was the what was the income plan? Well, it was essentially the current um, uh, components of a real good retirement income plan were pension, obviously, Social Security, obviously. And annuities. Yep. People don't even Google it. Go to the you know the web. So fidelity income planning. So we know it's really a good thing. It's just, but, and, but we also know people nine times. Uh, I would say probably ninety five percent of the time, we're going to be better off working with an advisor like you and me. Um, I, I agree with that. <clears throat> you know, it's but, my understanding. Uh, if you go to fidelity and. Uh, you know, you, you're looking for an annuity. There's really about three or four companies that white label. There's life insurance companies that are actually issuing and guaranteeing those annuities, right? And it just, uh, it's how much business do they want, the life insurance company, and they'll post a rate. They adjust the rate up or down, and it, and it, and it moderates or governs the amount of business, right? Fidelity is not guaranteeing those annuities. No, it's a, no, because actually Fidelity actually, they're, you know, because most of the fidelity growth, because it's still a family business, it's still a privately held business, by the way. Yeah. You know, and they do a good job. Don't get me wrong; their their marketing, their services is exemplary. But um, fidelity is actually their own bond rating. It's not that great. It's like triple B. It's investment grade, but barely. Whereas instead of you know, if a good life company, you're getting double A, triple A, single A, which is far superior than triple B. So the, the um, you know they're not guaranteeing it, but the insurers are, and um, um, so 
So the irony of the whole thing is, yes, it's really important. The Secure Act made this even more important, um, but people really need they need you know they need you know uh, hand holding, love and caring, and looking at everything else. Um, it's it, it's uh, but uh, but so so that's what I've been working on the book, and then but and also too is that really just to um, people that have put this, have peace of mind with their money because. When you look at Wall Street and the asset management industrial complex, they're always gambling with other people's money. Asset money industrial complex? Is that what I heard you say? <laughs> I call it asset management industrial complex. Oh, I love it. Kind of stole that from Dwight D. You know what you call it about the military industrial complex? Yeah, 1961, leaving office. Yep. I call it the asset management industrial complex. <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, you know, the, and, you know, the average Wall Street page right now is total page change. You know, you know how much an average person makes in Wall Street? I say half a million dollars. You're, you're, you're right on, spot on, James. Around 436 million, 436,000. Yeah. I mean, the average bonus in this year of 2021 is 257,000. A bonus. <laughs> you know what the median wages in this country for family poor is? Uh, I think 60. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's right, right around there. Yeah. So, so anyway, so. But look, do you know the cost of living in New York is extremely high? Yeah, you know, they're yeah, like, so they're barely getting by. <laughs> doesn't go very far in New York, oh, you know? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, so, that, so that's what I'm doing. So the, so, the, so the thing is, that, again, I'm not against investments, whatever, um, but um, when it comes to retirement planning, you really need you really need to play the long game. And I found, James, I've been in this business long enough where clients I had, I've had some clients I've had 20, 30 years, 35 yeah. years. Yeah. Uh, people who are sharp, as, uh, who are really sharp, who play the market and the whole thing. Now they're in their 80s. A lot of them have some very big annuities and things like that. And there's no, there's no problem. And the thing is, that as you get older, your uh, intellectual capacity, um, and there's actually been a bunch of research uh, pieces done in Harvard about this. I think your your intellectual capacity in making financial decisions peaks around age fifty three. So the thing is, yeah, you want to have some guarantees, and um, but this is uh, but people now more than ever, and um, um, but so that's you know that that's really still really important, and and people really have to stop listening to all the um, uh, I don't know. It's noise. Uh, I call it almost financial pornography. Yeah. You know, you you make a really good point about that, uh, the financial acuity. You know, you're reaching the peak at age 53. Several years ago, um, I read an article, and and there was – within the article, uh, I learned that a a male loses 1% of his muscle mass annually um, at beginning at age 50. All right? And so that – uh, caused me to start working out a lot more, and uh, but within the article, it also said that men lose three percent of their financial cognitive abilities a year, starting at around age seventy. So you make a very good point that uh, you know the older we get, the less uh, the more uncomplicated structures and and uh, accounts is is okay you know uh simplicity is a virtue um it is okay to and and really preferred in my opinion to simplify as we move into the retirement years passive income time it is okay to de-risk 
just like all of these equity companies are doing. They're they're moving, they're offsetting the risk of their pension to an insurance company. This is my point. The banks are doing this. Okay? Exactly. The people who came with your money are doing this. Exactly. And it's S&P that's a bought one annuity. Okay. Don't believe me. Google it, folks. Don't believe me. S&P right. Global, like 2018, something like that. $370 million annuity with Pacific Life. Yeah. And I mean, they, it, they are the benchmark of all indexes. They are the, they are the benchmark of indexing. And the, so the indexing benchmarking company is buying an annuity for its own account. Wow. What is, I mean, that tells you something. You know, if you're paying attention, it's really clear. But, you know, you it, it's kind of like, you know, uh, I can't hear what you're saying because your actions are so loud. You know, if you really pay attention to their actions, you'll know what to do. But if you listen to them, not so much, maybe. All right. Yeah. And, and, and so... And we, so we're, we're just, you know, we're just a, uh, you know, we've never seen this massive money printing and, uh, uh, and this is the greatest of all time. And so um, I think people, you know, they really need to, you know, be prudent what they do. And, you know, I'm still, I hate, I, I love the market. Okay. I, you know, I love my Google. I thank you God for the Google. I mean, I couldn't do the research what I do without Google. Right. Now, they probably track me incredibly, but. You uh, know they do. I know they do, but but what what a gift that has been. So I like my technology. I, you know, I, I like my iPhones. I, I like my iPads. I have a lot of money in best technology, a lot. So I'm, I'm a big believer. In, don't get me wrong. So, um, but I'm saying when it comes to retirement, you re, we, we really need to have guardrail guardrails and seatbelts around our money. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> I don't think there's any better way to do that. Um, than life insurance and annuities. I mean, that's not. There are other things that you can do, and I get yeah, it. Exactly. If I'm gonna, if I'm gonna, if I want a guaranteed income that I can rely on, no matter what, no matter what the markets are doing or not doing, no matter what the interest rates are or are not, um, th- there's no better product than an annuity. There's my opinion. All right. Um, you can also you can annuitize life insurance cash values. There's no question about that. But a guaranteed stream of income, just a guaranteed stream of income. Yeah, what's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing. This is, and this is you know this is my point is that like when Jeffrey ML, the CEO former CEO of GE, okay, when well, GE destroyed the company. I mean, he's kind of. You know, he, he walked out the door with a $200 million retirement package and $84 million of it was an annuity. He got like $3.47 million uh, annuity for life for the rest of his life. I mean, so, 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 and people, you know, you, you have my book, Shane, people can buy it. Go to barryjamesdyke.com and uh, you can buy them. But, um, um, you know, this is, you know, all your companies would be Exxon Mobil or Coca Cola or, Lockheed Martin. Actually, Lockheed Martin, that's a great example, okay? The largest aerospace manufacturer in the world, I believe. I don't know, Boeing, I don't know, Boeing, for military, I think Lockheed Martin's the biggest. Um, their, their entire pension system has been totally de-risked with annuities. Hmm. I think they bought like $12 billion worth of annuities. So, um, so again, people that don't believe me, this will be in the next book. Um, and you know, I even get a kick out of it. Even the Church of England bought an annuity. It, the Church of England used to be, <laughs> I couldn't believe this. 
the Church of England actually they had their own pension plan. They they invested in things like a um, Peter Cooper uh, Bedford Stuyvesant. Uh, it was leveraged by it, which went into fall and it actually. And the Church of England actually got burned in a, in a bad real estate deal in New York. And but I was amazed. But and I found this, and this is again the gift of the internet, um, is that actually the Church of England bought another uh, bought an annuity for a couple hundred million dollars to fund one of their like uh, uh, pensions for their pastors. And actually, uh, and I found another one: the, the Diocese of uh, West Palm Beach bought an annuity for their. Uh, for their clergy as well, so you, so even even people close to God buy annuities, you know. So it can't be all bad. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, it can't be all bad. They need guarantees too, you know, on this side. <laughs> so that's funny. All right. So look, the book's going to be out. The goal, the target date is October twenty year anniversary of the investigation. The, the investigation of executive life, which uh, it took. Well, I, I think it's appropriate. Executive life imploded in ninety one. There wasn't a congressional investigation until October 2002. So, we, so that was kind of, when I was reading the, uh, uh, the actually the government, there's a great, people don't believe me, there's an executive, we can go online, it's about a 300 page congressional report on the collapse. Um, but I thought it'd be appropriate because people said, what's the government gonna do? What's the government gonna do? Well, the government did nothing. And it, it took 11 years after the fact, after the collapse. And so, um, and, and the state guarantee funds really got drained because they collapsed the executive life. Yeah. Now, Leon Black, and, which is now Paul Global Management, made money. Credit Leon A, which was a total illegal transaction, they made money. Um, the the policies were protected, but a lot of them really got hurt when they were on structured settlements. So I think it's really, really important to um, look out for our fellows. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned the state guarantee associations. It's like the states are broke. Most all of the states are broke, um, it, but they have the uh, power to raise taxes, no question. But the the state guarantee associations are not funded by the states. They're funded no, they're by the life insurance companies. I mean, so my point here is we're paying for that. If we own life insurance in any form or an annuity um, or annuities, there, we're, we're paying for that. We're we're paying. We're direct. The consumer pays for everything, so we're paying for the state guarantee associations that these uh, companies like Executive Life, and that's just one. That's a, a big one. That's no, a, but there have been many others. And and, and and there's a lot of ones which are shaky. You know? I mean, some of these, you know, the Lindbergh, uh, the, the Greg Greg Lindbergh. Okay, people don't believe North Carolina, whatever. And he's I think he's wearing an orange suit somewhere. Right now, but it was the same same stuff. That, you know, you you got a, the, the life company to to you know run a private equity firm, and essentially you try to buy bribe a bunch of state officials. It, 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 it's what it was horrible. What you mean, politicians get paid to? Oh, I'm shocked. You know, so I'm shocked. <laughs> you know, so so the companies you and I associate with, you know, they're uh, they're boring, but they have integrity. Yeah. And to me, the older I get, the more important uh, integrity and honesty and love and caring for families is, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, uh, so, uh, so, but people need to know that, but this is what, what's going on. So people can buy your books. Um, yeah, they can get them from you or they can go to barryjamesdyke.com. Yeah. You know, keep them coming. Uh, you can, there's also, I have a, a mail list you can go. Uh, please sign up for it. Um, uh, as you know, I've been really busy with the research and running a business. So 
And between working on the book and just running the business now, I really haven't had much time to do a podcast. I'd love to do them like you do, but um, uh, the so economic with, warrior, the economic warrior, and, and you know, I've, I've been really blessed. I mean, I've, I've had some great people, you know. Uh, from from Noam Chomsky, I mean, I, I go all the way to the left, and I go all the way to the right. I just like people who tell the truth, right? And so, uh, you know, uh, you know, guys like uh, John Kay, a top, one of the top economists in the, uh, the U.S., Paul Craig Roberts. I just like truth tellers, you know. And uh, Ted Bennett, the guy who created the four hundred one k, Ted Sedell, the whistleblower. He he made a sixty seven million dollar judgment against uh, J.P. Morgan. Um, so. Uh, a lot of really good people, and um, uh, the millionaire next door, the um, Bill Danko, ended up being a friend of mine because they're writing the books and stuff. So um, I've interviewed a lot of people, but it just it, it just takes a lot of time, and um, with COVID, kind of screwed every, everything up for me. But yeah. well, how do, how, do, how would one sign up for your newsletter? Just go to barryjamesdyke.com, and it says you can the newsletter somewhere. I should be giving me more. Uh, formal pushing that, but yeah, people can people can do it. I know it's somewhere on the website, uh, and uh, and uh, and people sign up for it, and um, and uh, and uh, it's always good to see my good friend James, and you're, and you're really doing great things for people out there. I'm so proud of you, man. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from you. I'm very proud of you, and I'm appreciative that uh, that you're my friend, and that you'll take the, your time out. I know you're a busy guy, and. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to come on and share and you're always welcome anytime you should you should fly down here you know uh yeah well that's been that's been, good. That's been the, the plan but yeah i'll be traveling the next two or three weeks anyhow so but i do want to get down there we'll get, well, uh, shoot some guns and stuff like that and have some barbecue. yes we will yes we will i know where shoot to shoot them and have some barbecue and stuff like that <laughs> i know where I'm, the good I'm, barbecue I'm is hey yeah. you know that that uh a couple of weeks ago there's a local barbecue shop here, Massey's Barbecue in Alvarado, right? And there's other restaurants here, but I guess I mentioned Massey's. Well, here's here's the whole story. So I got a call, or uh, yeah, I got a phone call, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and the, and Todd Massey, the owner of Massey's Barbecue, he just called and said, "Hey, James, um, you know, we, you had a client call in, and, and and he bought the office lunch, and uh, so do you want us to cater it, or do you want to come pick it up?" And I'm like. What? How would they know to call you? And uh, he didn't know, so I asked the AV Ninja. I'm like, "How are they? Are they just?" And it was a beautiful lunch. We all were we were all fed. We're all very appreciative. And I'm not asking to do that. I'm just sharing that. Uh, you know, mentioning barbecue. I guess I had mentioned Massey's barbecue on a previous podcast because I asked the AV Ninja. I'm like, "How would they know other than you know googling up every restaurant you know in Alvarado?" So. Uh, thanks for letting me share that. Thanks for the barbecue. We we greatly enjoyed it. Um, uh, Phil did that for us. And and I, but you come down here. I know exactly where to go shooting. Fabulous, whatever kind of shooting you want. Clays, traps, you know, five stand, whatever it is you want to shoot. And then I know all of the good barbecue places to go, and we'll hit them all. We'll be we'll get into a protein coma. Okay, we'll have meat sweats. <laughs> we eat so much barbecue. <laughs> well, I, I gotta keep going to the gym. I gotta, I gotta keep going to the gym now these days, James. But uh, no, yes, well, you do because you're going to lose one percent of muscle mass if you don't each year. So keep showing up. <laughs> I can believe it, but uh, no, I feel, I feel great. Thank you, God. Uh, I, I feel actually as healthy as ever. So, yeah. so well, you look uh, good. 
All right. What else, Barry? I mean, like I said, thank you for coming on. I greatly appreciate you. Is there, you know, any parting words that you want to leave with us? Uh, just give, uh, just give the money you don't want to lose to my friends like James. <laughs> well, thank you. And, uh, and you know, you, Barry, he, he still answers his phone. Castle Asset Management, right? Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. we do this all around the country. I'm, I'm blessed. And, um, yeah, so it, it's, it, people just find me. So, um, I, uh, yeah, so, yeah, we still, we still help people and, um, we're grateful to, to do it, you know, and, uh, we just keep going, there trying to go. punch the clock for God, you know? All right. Keep pushing back the frontiers of ignorance. You know, if you don't do it, who will? If not you, who? All right, who's going to write that book? Who's going to update your other book? Nobody. You. So make it happen. All right. All right. Thanks, Barry. James, thank you so much. You. God bless you. All right. God bless see you. you. See you on the islands. Okay. Thank you. Take care. Be careful. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.